Good afternoon, my fellow Americans. Welcome to the Midweek Report. I'm your host, JWR. First, the FDA is set to approve another booster shot for COVID-19 despite human testing not being completed. According to reports from Sunday, the agency will authorize the next round of boosters before studies show whether it's safe uh, or efficient for humans. FDA officials claim that the rush is necessary to protect the population from what they expect to be another COVID-19 surge in the fall. The agency did not address the hundreds of thousands of injuries and deaths caused by COVID-19 vaccines. FDA uh, vaccine chief Dr. Peter Marks spoke on the announcement. What we're hoping to achieve with these boosters is to restore the level of protection toward that which we saw with the original vaccines in which we were in which we not only protected against hospitalization and death, but we also protected against symptomatic disease, explains Marks. Uh, there's been numerous cases of COVID-19 in fully vaccinated patients, including uh, President Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden, former White House spokesperson Jen Psaki, and, an, uh, and a number of high-profile Democrats. Next. All systems are a go for the highly anticipated Artemis 1 test flight. The $37 billion Orion spacecraft is set to launch from Kennedy Space Center on Monday. The unmanned lunar rocket will take a lap around the moon to test its capabilities before returning to Earth six weeks later. James Free, the Associate Administrator for Exploration Systems Development at NASA, spoke on the topic. We have, I would say, simple but aggressive objectives that is to get the vehicle into orbit, in orbit and back home and understand how the systems operate, explained Free. We need to understand how the heat shields perform on its re-entry and how, and we need to recover the vehicle. More than 100,000 people are expected to line Florida's space coast to watch the launch while there will be no crew on board. NASA astronauts are excited for its launch because its success brings them one giant leap closer to a moon landing mission. If anything goes according to plan, there could be a crew flying around the moon in 2024 and a moon landing in 2025. That would be 56 years after Neil Armstrong took a giant leap for mankind. However, NASA explained that this lunar landing has a difficult set of, object of objectives than Apollo 11 did. We're going to be sustainable this time, Free said. That doesn't mean we're staying 365 days a year. It means that we're going to be able to stay for 30 days and help enable others to stay there while we're not there. The agency recently announced 13 possible landing sites on the lunar south pole for Artemis uh, Mission 3. It would be the first time humans have ever visited the permanently shadowed regions of the moon, and it would serve as a stepping stone for future missions to Mars. NASA astronaut Randolph Bresnik spoke on the potential mission. If you think of going to the moon as, you know, a camping expedition and Mars being a further out camping expedition, you're not going to go to the Alaskan wilderness with just going... With just going to the sporting goods store and buying a tent and getting your boots that are brand new out of the box. And you're not going to go out to the Alaskan wilderness without having tried that stuff and yet broken it in to make sure it works, explained Bresnik. You're going to go to some place, some local place It's a little closer that maybe you know you can come back pretty quickly, come back home if, you're, if, uh, if your shoelaces break or something like that. 
we're not going to have that option when we go to Mars. It's, you know, we take everything that we need uh, with us. The last manned mission to the moon was Apollo 17. That mission occurred in December of 1972. So why has it taken more than half a century to take another small step back on the moon's surface? NASA spokesperson Daryl Nail said it has much to do with previous presidential administrations and with them changing national priorities. President Obama wasted eight years that could have been spent uh, getting Americans beyond low Earth orbit. His cancellation of Project Constellation drew public outrage from the space exploration community, including from famous astronauts Neil Armstrong and James Lovell. Obama's pie-in-the-sky journey to Mars program has seen as a last-ditch effort to save face. The Obamacare space exploration was expensive, unsustainable, and not designed to do what it promised. Now the inspiration and, and dedication to go back to the moon and to further explore deep space has been renewed. It was advanced in hyperspeed under President Trump's watch. Next, President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan continues to be polarizing to all, even to individuals within his own party. Progressives rejoiced at Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness announcement while vulnerable uh, Democrats broke with the president's decision. Senator Bernie Sanders praised the move that a Penn-Wharton model estimated, estimated would cost taxpayers in excess of $1 trillion over the next decade. However, during an interview on ABC this week, the Vermont senator said the president's plan didn't go far enough and he called for further government subsidization of the education system. Stop. Holy cow. Anyway, we have to really be thinking about higher education in general, Sanders said. And it, in my view, at a time when hundreds of thousands of bright young people can't even afford to go to college, if we're going to be competitive in a global economy, we need to make public colleges and university tuitions free. Uh, fellow progressive Elizabeth Warren echoed Sanders' sentiments while speaking with CNN's Dana Bash. Warren expressed that she believed the debt transference was justified because of the surging cost of higher education in the United States. However, Warren's statements failed to address why universities demand such a high price tag. Our public education system is no longer creating opportunities for kids like me and other kids whose families can't afford to write checks. Write a check, Warren said. Instead, we're saying the, to these young people, you've got, you've got to get an education, but we are going to wrap the chains of debt around you. A direct correlation can be drawn between federal subsidization of student loans and tuition costs. The 1992 Higher Education Reauthorization Act ensured loans directly from the Department of Education to borrowers. Between 1993 and 2006, tuition at public universities rose 47%. Not all Democrats are supportive of further government investment into student debt. A number of Democrats in swing state races, such as Rep uh, Representatives Tim Ryan and Sharice Davids, as well as Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, uh, have come out in opposition to the bill. The lawmakers have claimed that the move will help uh, well to do Americans fa while failing to address the cost of education. 
Former Treasury Secretary Lawrence Summers, who served under both President Obama and President Clinton, has argued that forgiveness will encourage institutions to raise tuition. Former top advisor to President Bill Clinton, Paul Begala, expressed outrage that the White House would unfairly distribute funds into the hands of the educated at the expense of the lower class. Why is my party doing this? Uh, doing with this? Begala questioned. They're disadvantaging, I think. They're not helping people we're here to help, which is poor people and unprivileged communities, and they're not helping their polit uh, politicians who are running. Currently, 87% of Americans, American adults do not have student loan debts. 58% uh, of all student loans is held with by the wealthiest 40% of Americans. The Biden administration has defended student loan forgiveness by conflating it uh, with Paycheck Protection Program loans, which the government dispersed to employers in order to retain their employees after forcing them to shut down during the COVID-19 lockdowns. Next, and more on that, Vice President Kamala Harris is unable to explain how the United States government will pay for the proposed student debt forgiveness plan. During a rare public appearance on Monday, Harris was asked who's going to foot the bill for the proposed program. In response, the Vice President tried to dodge the question. She went on to criticize Donald Trump's tax cuts that were passed in 2017. Well, let's start with this, Harris said. First of all, a lot of the same people who are criticizing what we rightly did in following through on a commitment that we made um, due to forgive student loan debt are the same people who voted for tax cuts for the richest Americans. Subsequent congress congressional students found, contrary to Harris's claims, that Trump's plan benefited the middle class and not the wealthiest Americans. It still remains unclear how Biden's proposals will be paid for. Next, tensions with China over Taiwan continue to escalate as the Pentagon sends U.S. warships into, Ta into the Taiwan Strait. According to reports on Sunday, USS Ant Antietam, Antietam and USS Chancellorsville, Chancellorsville uh, saved, have sailed through the Taiwan Strait for the first time since House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit. The U.S. 7th Fleet said the move was a routine transit to ensure freedom of navigation. Chinese diplomats have been opposed to U.S.-Taiwanese co cooperation by saying it poses a risk of military escalation. In the meantime, a number of prominent public figures are voicing opposition to provoking China. Roger Wa uh, Waters, the co-founder of Pink Floyd, shared his thoughts on the topic. The Chinese can't encircle Taiwan, Waters said. Taiwan is part of China, and we've all completely accepted that for the last 50 years. The whole world has accepted the encircling that's going on in this encircling of China by the United States of America and their attempts now to push NATO into the South China Sea. It is so provocative. A number of U.S. lawmakers have visited Taiwan following Pelosi's trip. These visits have sparked additional and uh, condemnation and threats of retaliation by the Chinese Communist Party. Next, 
New York is set to house the increasing number of migrants arriving by buses from Texas in 14 hotels across the city. New York City Mayor Eric Adams said nearly 7,600 migrants have now arrived in the Big Apple since May, a move that has sent city officials scrambling to find them adequate housing. Two weeks ago, City Hall told New Yorkers that 11 hotels were being used to help ease the pressure, but that has now been up to 14. City Hall has also confirmed that they are no longer planning to house 600 families at the Luxury Row Hotel near Times Square in New York City, which is regularly packed with tourists. One New York City council member has been fighting for her community and just celebrated a small win. Queens Councilwoman Vicky Palladino issued a statement Monday, August 29th. Praising the decision made by Mayor Eric Adams' office not to house migrants bust in from Texas in a Queens hotel, the mayor's office reversed course on the matter after Palladino put up a good argument criticizing the housing of migrants in the community of College Point. Uh, I am thrilled to see our efforts and concerns in regards to College Point have not fallen on deaf ears and the city is exploring other options for housing migrants, as uh, Palladino said. Aladino believed the original decision would have added to the already overburdened area and expressed her concern that resources would be diverted from other areas that could otherwise help improve the community. New York City's right to shelter laws require the city to find housing for an individual who requests it, regardless of immigration status or residency. Adams has called on the federal government to send more resources to New York City in order to address the influx. He also said that any children who travel across the border would be integrated into school system, into the school system and will receive supplies and backpacks. But wait a minute, we thought New York was a sanctuary city, so we shouldn't have a problem with this, right? Said, uh... Uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, uh, who took to Twitter Saturday to defend his moves in busing migrants here, uh, migrants there to the Empire State, Abbott arguing that the state is highlighting a national immigration crisis with its actions. Next, as Broward County, Florida jurors continued to deliberate uh, sentencing for Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland school shooter, the state's Republican governor suspended four members of the Broward County School Board citing their incompetence and uh, mouth, 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 it is my duty to suspend people from office when there is clear evidence of incompetence, neglect of duty, misfence, whatever, and mal, yeah, whatever. Anyway, said Governor Ronald D. DeSantis, who cited both his authority as the state's chief executive and the recommendation from the 20th statewide grand jury. The decision came more than four years after the St. Valentine's Day 2018 spree shooting. DeSantis said the finding of a statewide grand jury validated the findings of the majority uh, Stoneman Douglas High School Safety Commission. The grand jury recommended the suspension of four school board members, Patricia Good, Donna Korn, Ann Murray, uh, and Laura Rich, Lori Rich, sorry, 
Lori Rich Levinson because of their incompetence, neglect of duty, and misuse of authority. Among the grand jury's findings were that the site of the St. Valentine's Day 2018 uh, spree shooting the majority of Stoneman Douglas High School and other schools in the county still do not have safety alarm systems installed as well as students are now forced to endure classes in. The grand jury's report said they found unsafe, aging, decrepit, moldy buildings that were supposed to be removed years ago and that the four school board members created a permissive environment for fraud and mismanagement. The grand jury criticized the board's mismanagement of a multi-million dollar fund dedicated to school safety and renovation initiatives. Uh, DeSantis appointed four new school board members who took office immediately. Tori Alston, a businessman and former Broward County Board Commissioner. Nandy Serrano, a former Florida State baseball standout and founder of Clubhouse Private Wealth. Ryan Reeder a Marine Corps veteran and a government relations director for a local construction company, and Kevin Tienan, an attorney and previous county school board member. A fifth member of the school board recommended for removal, Rosalind Osgood, was board chairwoman before she resigned to take office in the Florida State Senate. Next, and finally, as the U.S. reported its first death of a monkeypox patient, the White House announced new measures to do more to reach those most at risk. The National Monkeypox Response Team rolled out new actions the Biden administration is taking to combat uh, the outbreak and protect individuals most at risk. On Tuesday, health officials announced the administration is providing additional vaccines and support to cities holding events that attract large groups of LGD LGBTQI plus individuals and uh the Department of Health and Human Services, along with the CDC, have all been working with state and local governments to help prepare the, for Pride events coming up in New Orleans, Atlanta, and Oakland in September. An additional 5,500 vaccines will be sent to Georgia, 6,000 will be supplied to Louisiana, and 2,400 vaccines are going to California. Officials also announced a new equity intervention pilot uh, to increase vaccine availability and other prevention resources to communities where the outbreak has been most severe. Jurisdictions that have used more than 50% of their delivered vaccines qualify for an allocation of vaccine to support up to five smaller equity interventions that reach populations that could benefit from monkeypox prevention, explained Demeter, Dimitri uh, Daskalakis, Deputy Coordinator of White House National Monkeypox Response. So we, what we mean by an equity intervention is what works in your state, county, or city to reach people who may not be who it may not be reaching. Meanwhile, the announcement came the same day Texas health officials announced they are investigating whether monkeypox played a role in the death of a patient recently diagnosed with the virus. The patient was severely immunocompromised. And autopsy results are going to take weeks, but if confirmed, it would be the first monkeypox death to occur in the U.S. I think it's important to emphasize that the deaths due to monkeypox, while possible, remain very rare, stated Jennifer McQuiston, Deputy Director of the CDC Division of High, High Con Consequence Pathogens and Pathology. In most cases, people are experiencing infection that resolves over time, and there have been very few deaths. Uh, that's even reporting globally. 
Uh, meanwhile, according to the CDC, 15 people have died from monkeypox around the globe, while there are currently more than 18,000 confirmed cases in the U.S. And that concludes the Midweek Report. I've been your host, JWR. And remember, stay informed, stay involved, keep America first. I will see you all Sunday. <laughs>